Every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am your host, Mike Falkenstein, and as you all know, normally we have, I have Ken Watmore, my normal co-host, and I've got a good friend of mine who's sitting in today, Dudley Callison, who, Dudley, I think we've probably known each other 10 years or so, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. And so you're here also locally, and I'm glad you're here for a number of reasons. One being, you're actually the first person to be interviewed here in our studio. And so, uh, you know, I've done a lot of Skype calls and all these other things. And so it's fun to just be sitting right across from you. I'm wondering, uh, before we get into our topic today, I'm wondering if you'd like to give just a quick two or three minutes about kind of who you are, what you do. Yeah, where you come from, whatever you want to, however you want to introduce yourself. That sounds great. Well, thanks for having me here today, Mike. It's um, always a privilege to talk about Christ's kingdom work in the world, about missions and missionality and what it means for just the average follower of Christ to participate in the Great Commission in a very practical way. And uh, so, yeah, it's a joy to be a part of this and your listening audience my name is Dudley. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Laura, have been married for 22 years now, mm. two girls, and um, the Lord's had us on this wonderful journey of faith and learning and growing in our understanding of church and, and how to be a part of that in a local and a global sense. Uh, I serve with a mission organization called Christian Associates International. We are a, um, gosh, a, the easiest way to describe us as a a tribe of missional practitioners, hmm. innovators, entrepreneurs around church planting, missional living. Uh, we are um, 240 staff in 22 wow. countries and um, 95 churches or church plants that hope to become mature and reproducible churches around the world. But what makes it unusual is that it's not uh, just starting another building on the street corner with a, a worship service and a great preacher and a great worship band. Really, these churches take on a lot of different forms and expressions around the world, and some of them are very dynamic, organic in nature, and some of them are more structural and formulaic, but it's um, it, it truly is a, um, a joy to be a part of this uh, missional movement. And, and uh, uh, in a global sense with international believers that mm. think very differently than we do about, <laughs> That's right. about church and about um, living out their faith values and community. That's great. And you're originally from Texas, is that Amen. right? Yeehaw. <laughs> That's right. That's great. But you found your way here to uh, to Denver and seems like you guys are doing well here. 
We really enjoy it. I yeah. mean, we, you know, Texas is a whole nother country, but we migrated here to uh, Colorado and, right. and have found um, real uh, quality of life, quality of relationships, and, and um, yeah, just a rhythm of living and loving that we feel like is uh, suited for us very That's well. That's great. And so Christian Associates, uh, your staff is primarily, I know Europe, right? Uh, maybe some other places too? Quite a few in, in Europe, um, distinctly different from uh, Central and Eastern Europe, from Western Europe. So our approach to missional living and church planting in those two areas of Europe are quite different. Then we have a growing number of staff here in the States uh, starting missional initiatives and in churches around the U.S., mm. uh, especially in places where we're seeing some of the post-Christendom dynamic at, at work, mm. where there's evidences of church and and uh, church history, but not necessarily uh, sense in the culture that it's relevant today or that people are really that interested in it. Um, so that's a real opportunity for us to take what we've learned in Europe and put that in practice here in the States. And then Latin America as well, a growing number of folks that are really feeling like that the future of the church in Latin America might be taking some different forms and shapes mm. also. Oh, great. Uh, I'm trying to remember, I know you spent some time in England Mm-hmm. Do you guys still have some some work there? Well, in the UK, uh, truly, that's one of the great shining examples of a new generation coming up and okay. um, being a part of expressions of church that are integrated, that are welcoming the other. In other words, um, uh, more work that's happening among um, uh, immigrants coming into the UK from mm. Central Asia, the Middle East, um, one of our most recent churches to form as a, a faith community in Glasgow, Scotland, made up almost exclusively of Iranian immigrants. Wow. And, you know, these are folks that found their way to Scotland to find a better life or to escape uh, political persecution as asylum seekers. And and uh, the faith community there, the believers just welcome them in. I mean, like, great? come stay in our home, come live with us. Isn't that and great? through that, they became introduced to Christ and have chosen to follow him and have formed a new faith community there. So, yeah, there's some pretty amazing things going on right now with the people migration in Europe that I think it's easy for us to be removed from it here in the States, but it's truly a, a global opportunity in our generation. And yeah, that's great. Well, Dudley, in our last episode, we took your, essentially the content from your blog post that I'll have in the show notes again today great. that I think you called simple missionality if that's right and it was sort of six ways that people could just begin kind of reaching out to your neighbors Mm -hmm. and so we talked kind of through that and ken and i sort of tried to uh do our best to uh to communicate that to folks and so what i thought would be good today is for Mm -hmm. you to come and kind of give some the feet on the ground perspective of that because you've been doing this very thing in your neighborhood and obviously we want to talk about some of the results you know you've got this what i think you're calling neighbor church and whatnot and so maybe uh, you could begin by giving kind of a because we were just talking just now i mean as you were coming along maybe in your in your faith you learned either a uh, just a straight bridge illustration, or that's what I did with mm-hmm. the navigators. Right. Uh, I was just talking to a guy yesterday. He said, "Oh yeah, I started off with the four spiritual laws with the crusade, and you know this type of outreach that you're now doing in your neighborhood and in other places is 
distinctly different in it hmm. than just that. Well, I think there are some distinctive flavors to it. I, I, I certainly have nothing negative to say about um, evangelism training or even mm. some of the evangelism approaches that kind of help equip the believer to put their faith into words. I think that's some of the, the strongest value of going through evangelism training. Where it falls apart, really, in real time with a neighbor is when the neighbor feels like you're walking them through a formula or a program or, oh, right. you know, reading from a script. Uh-huh. And, you know, you can actually visibly see people start to back up a little bit uh, <laughs> when they feel like you're kind of walking them through something that um, you've memorized for the sake of evangelism. I think a lot of what we're trying to promote in the world and to live out in our neighborhood is um, really just what comes down to loving people with the love of Christ, mm. um, you know, with the mature, sacrificial, caring type love that I think Christ inspires us to embrace and mm-hmm. then to offer to others. As we've been loved by him, we freely love those around us. As we've been forgiven and graced by him, then we, with maturity, offer those to the people around us. So when you bring it down to some real basic Uh, spiritual friendship practices. I don't think it's quite so complicated, to be honest with you. That's right. Most of us live in a a place, but we do life elsewhere. Uh, We may live in a neighborhood on a street with a bunch of other houses, but we get in our cars in the morning and we drive to the office or we drive to the gym or to the coffee shop. And really our third places exclude a lot of our most natural and, and closest people around us. Your neighbors are tricky relationships anyway, because if they got a dog that barks and drives you crazy, (laughs) or they park their car where you don't want them to park, or they they throw a bunch of parties. I mean, neighbors, you don't choose them. And so they can actually become a bit, I don't know, adversarial at times or, you know, contentious. And really, I think when Jesus said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, I don't think that excludes people that are that we work with or that we see at the right at the health club or whatever. But I think it at least means love the people that live right around you. That's right. I mean, it might mean other people as well, but let's at least that's right. Allow it to mean the people that right. live right around us. So and if I it means anything, it means that it at least right. means that. And uh, <laughs> and that really challenged right. me. You know, I I can honestly say that ten years ago, I couldn't name you the people that lived around me. I was on staff at a church, and uh, a neighbor across the street and a couple houses down, um, elderly couple, and the, the old gentleman died. And um, we had never met him, you know, and um, I was serving on staff at a local church. So I thought, well, you know, I should try to find a way to be helpful to the to the older lady who's yeah, lost her husband. Mm-hmm. So I saw her out a couple of weeks later trying to start her lawnmower. And I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. So I walked across the street and you know, went down to help her start her lawnmower and, and, um, introduced myself to her. And she said, Oh yeah, I know who you are. You're on staff at our church. I mean, here I've been living across the street and two (laughs) houses down. Wow. And you know, that kind of hard reality, a wake up call of these aren't just my neighbors. They're people that say they're part of the same faith community that I'm a part of. Wow. You know, so that really began to convict me about, what does it mean to not just know them, but to know their story and not just know their story, but to be able to enter into it in a spiritual way. And um, so that just began to challenge my thinking about 
Have I met my neighbors? Do I know them by name? Do I know anything about their story? Has their story revealed to me any way to pray for them? Because when I get to the point of praying for them by name and by story, I have entered their spiritual journey, whether they realize it or not. Oh, that's uh, right. I think that's a big part of this whole simple missionality. It is. So in your first couple of points in your post that we actually talked about last week, you're talking about this very thing. Do I know my neighbors by name and have I heard their stories? So for people who heard the last episode, Mm -hmm. give some practical ways because it is at least you have to have a little boldness maybe to go over and begin meeting some of these people, right? Well, yeah, I think if it's, if you mean uh, going and knocking on their door and introducing yourself to them, I think that's where it takes a lot more boldness and courage than just to recognize the opportunities. So, you know, living here in Colorado, we're going to get three or four decent dumps of snow every year and That's the kind right. of snow that requires you to get out and shovel the driveway and the, the sidewalk. And I know that I met several of my neighbors just by seeing them down working on their driveway and wandering down and, you know, uh, introducing myself and just jumping in to help them out. All and, right. Um, so as you're all already out and about. Absolutely. Then so, you just sort of go over and say hi. And, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I think the mailbox is a, a truly uh, divine space to be able to meet a neighbor and and say hello. You know, living life outdoors is um, one of the benefits we have here in this particular part of the country, but I don't think anyone uh, lives in a climate where it's impossible to be outside and to, you know, go for walks. Uh, The the real uh, trick in that, Mike, is just being available. All right, so I'm going out for a walk. Is my goal to do an hour of cardio you know, exercise right. that can't be interrupted. Oh, right. Or am I just going to go for a stroll around the neighborhood and actually look for the chance to mm. stop, mm. comment on, the, you know, their their garden in the front, comment on their flowers coming out, oh, right. ask them about the motorcycle that they obviously just bought, and and let that be an opportunity to extend a hand and meet a person by name. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, after I meet somebody and hear their name for the first time, if I don't do something to remember it, oh, right. and I see them a month later, I'm not going to remember their name. So <laughs> right. we've gone so far as to just, you know, when we meet a, a new neighbor in the neighborhood, to uh, just jot their name down and maybe make a reminder note. You know, the, the neighbor that plays street hockey in their driveway oh, with right. their boys. Or in the brown house. I haven't yeah, seen him, yeah. you know, in, <laughs> his in, named, you know whatever. In, in six weeks now, but, you know, I'm more likely to remember his name because I just wrote it down and reminding myself this is who he is so that's great yeah seizing those opportunities and being available and accessible is probably the first just uh uh, principle of of meeting friends around yeah and actually it goes to a little bit about your last point in your post which was do i trust god so as you go on the walk maybe even just praying quickly lord just give me the opportunities that you want me to have right you know i'm struck by the fact that when we organize overseas mission trips that we do a lot of training with folks before we go overseas to impact the kingdom of God in another place. And part of the training that I've been a part of with preparing short-term mission trips is doing prayer walking. All right, well, that's really great if we get on a plane and go 2,000 miles away to prayer walk in a neighborhood in another country. How often have I done that in my neighborhood? Oh, right. Just walking around and seeing evidences of need or opportunity or spirituality in the neighborhood and lifting those up before the Lord. Mm. Asking the Lord, would you uh, lead me into a conversation? I'm actually going out for a walk to say, Lord, I'm available to you and I'm available to someone else. 
Mm. Give the opportunity and see what God does. So maybe your neighborhood in that point becomes a little bit of your, I don't want to say missions field, but Absolutely it, you know. Say it. It's yeah. your mission field. I mean, it's where God's planted you. Therefore, how do we engage spiritually in, in the context right where we live? Mm, that's really great. Yeah. Well, it seems like a good place for us to allow our friend Tom Muller to jump in and uh, provide our intermission. Uh, Dudley, when we get back, let's talk about these other uh, these other topics that you mentioned in your post, including, you know, praying for your neighbors, you know, being ready to share your story uh, when asked. And uh, yeah, so thanks everyone for joining us and we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Tom Moeller. As a pastor or ministry leader, you know the value of having congregation members excited about God's work, both at home and abroad. Think about having a church full of people who know their place in God's great mission, engaged to reach the world for Jesus. That's a church on fire. Or maybe you're a conference director looking for a dynamic speaker to come in and point people toward fulfilling the Great Commission in their lives. Mike Falkenstein would love to come and serve your church or conference by making a great speech to attendees on a Sunday morning or for a weekend event, making your event a huge success. Mike has a deep desire to make your job easier. Visit Mike's website at MikeFalkenstein.com and go to the speaking page to find out more about how you can have him come and serve you in this way. Well, Dudley, we're having a great conversation about reaching your neighbors, and we we kind of left off with, you know, you're you're taking a walk, you're meeting some people, and then eventually, I know what you've talked about in your your post, and even with me personally, is beginning to ask uh, their story about yeah, a little bit right. about what they what they where they come from. Obviously, a big part of that is then once you know their story, you can begin praying That's for right. them, right? Which, by the way, uh, in our episode last week, we really kind of stopped and talked about that a bit because I think what's great about that is they don't even know that you're praying for them, but we know God's, you know, what happens when you pray, Absolutely. right? I mean, you're you're invoking sort of God's I don't know if blessing is the right word, but you're beginning to allow God to work in their lives and they don't even know it yet. So yeah, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so whether they realize you're praying for them or not, you know, yeah, you've, right. you've stepped into an important part of this uh, journey of faith with them. And yes. you know, um, the simple questions of uh, getting to know somebody new, I don't think there's anything different meeting a neighbor on a street than meeting a new coworker at the Christmas party. When you right. meet him, you ask the same kind of simple questions of curiosity. Have you lived here a long time? Uh, did you grow up here? Wow, you guys, you guys from here originally, or are you transplants like us? You oh, know? right. And and hearing those answers naturally leads to some discovery about their story. I met a neighbor and and asked that simple question of, "Hey, you guys from here?" He said, "No, I lost a job at another place, and we got a new job and had to move here." And what did that tell me? That tell me that he's been through been the through trauma stuff, right? of, of losing a job. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, without going, you know, three layers deep in that conversation, I made a mental note next time I see him to say, you know, tell me about your work. All right. How's and, the new job going? Yeah. Or, and is it the same yeah. as what you did before? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. or did you change, you know, occupations and career fields? And, and um, 
you know, just the simple questions of, hey, it's like you guys got a couple of um, elementary school kids here in the neighborhood. Um, how are you liking the school? I mean, we found it to be really great for our kids. Is it working out for you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the simple things that are questions that come out of observations that lead to insights. You learn about divorces. You learn about uh, about relocations. You, you, you learn about people's just extended family if they moved here from across town because they're too close to mom and dad and oh right you know so i mean there's all kinds of things that become insightful ways to pray for people and i i've resisted the 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 temptation at that moment to always say well if it's okay i'd really like to commit to pray for you about that oh right now there are moments where i have said that where somebody has shared something at a level of disclosure or honesty or vulnerability right where the right thing to say is gosh thanks for sharing that I'd, i'd really just I just want you to know that I'll be praying about that for you. Mm. But generally speaking, the Lord can work in somebody's life, whether that person knows I'm praying for him or not. Right. And I think that's a key part of this is just being open to hearing someone's life story in a way that gives, that gives us insight as to how to pray. Um, I believe when I'm praying for somebody, I've become much more sensitive to the opportunity to express God's love in a tangible way, which is why I think it's really important to couple that hearing story, praying for them, and looking for a way to meaningfully engage them. Now, I've always kind of thought of that as my opportunity to serve them, but I can tell you this, relationships have deepened more quickly when I have a need Oh. And I go to a neighbor to ask them for help. I, I needed help putting oh. Christmas boxes up in our our overhead shelving in our garage just a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And a guy was at the bus stop that I really don't spend a lot of time with because he lives down the street. But he was there when I asked a buddy of mine, hey, can you help me put my boxes up in this overhead shelving in my garage? Well, this other guy said, hey, I'll come help out too. Turns out he was the rock star. He actually did most of the work. Oh. <laughs> and it gave me an opportunity to interact with him in a way that was truly meaningful. But it wasn't me that had the the resources to help him out. It was me being in a posture of need. I put that in the same category of of John chapter four when Jesus shows up at the at the well and the woman is there. Right. He doesn't start that conversation saying, I have something that you need. Mm-hmm. He starts it off with a question, would you give me a drink of water? This is Jesus putting himself in a position of need and saying, you've got something that I need. Oh, right. Would you help me? Knowing that he had what she ultimately needed most. Wow, that's great. So I think sometimes, you know, building that kind of further interaction with neighbors is is having a way to help them, but also saying, when I have a need, could I ask them to be a part of that with me? So maybe last thing about learning people's stories, it sounds like what, part of what you're saying is you're kind of starting off uh, with simple things mm-hmm. and then kind of building. And that, I mean, the, the, the simple things allow you to go to more deep things, right? Absolutely. You ask 10 questions at the mailbox the first time you meet somebody and you may not ever see them again. Or if they see you coming, they might turn and run. You know, it feels oh, right. a bit intrusive or invasive or, oh, right. or nosy, good grief, you know. But I think over time, if you take the long haul view of it and you realize these are the people that live around you, it's not like you're not going to see them again. Mm-hmm. So really just walking away from that 
encounter saying, you know, next time I see him or her, maybe I'll just ask to see how this is going. I'll ask a follow-up question or, you know, just the next layer of um, just learning more about their story and their journey. Through that, I mean, I tell you, it's, it's been amazing how easily sometimes the topic of faith comes up because, you know, when people talk about what they do, what they do on the weekend, or how, right. how was your weekend, you know, you might actually hear about whether they go to church or not. Mm-hmm. You know, you might actually hear how they spend their recreation time. But within a couple of years of interacting with my neighbors, I had heard almost all of them mention something about their faith journey, whether they grew up going to church or whether they stopped going to church or they grew up in a family with Jehovah's Witness or whatever kind of spiritual background they had, it's not unusual for that to come up in casual conversation. Hmm. And that gives insight as well to where it they does. are. Yeah, it know? does. That's great. So in your process that, you, that you've gone through, of course, you're learning the stories, you begin praying, and then you mention, be ready to share our stories mm-hmm. when asked. And I guess that's part of what I really like about what I've really liked about this is you're just developing kind of a friendship. And as you mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, it, and it would be true for both of us, it would be hard for either one of us to talk about our story without, you know, our faith Absolutely. coming out, right? That's so there's, right. there's not any pro, pro, programmatic thing about sharing our testimony. It's just going to come up in conversation right and and they may may be the one asking yeah i think in in this sense matthew 12 34 applies which is this simple heart mouth principle that out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks Mm -hmm. and when i'm pursuing christ and we're pursuing christ as a family that's so much in our heart that it you really can't escape it in our story Mm -hmm. ask me about our weekend and i'll tell you what we did over the weekend and there'll be something about our faith that comes out in that Ask me about my job. Ask me about our history, about about <laughs> right. our upbringing, about anything about that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be an opportunity for me to naturally talk about what it means to be a person of faith. And without having to be contrived or manipulative, you know, it's not like I have to talk about how beautiful the day is and then, you know, oh, no. uh, <laughs> kind of craft you know, how wonderful it is that God made this beautiful day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have to be contrived in it in any way. It's really kind of one of those just answering a question honestly and integrating the value of my walk with Christ into however I give my answer. My neighbors are not surprised in a fifth conversation that I'm a follower of Christ. That's oh. probably already come out pretty easily. All now, right. I will tell you this. There are a few of my neighbors that have never yet asked a question. Oh, really? So I'm still asking okay. about them. Okay. And yeah, I don't know that they ever will, but I think the more important thing is to be in a posture of readiness. That's right. When the time comes to be, when they say, yeah, that's right. well, how was your weekend? Well, yeah, thanks for asking. And in the course of talking about my weekend, I'm going to probably say something that is uh, about the mountains or about the beauty or about the, the, the youth soccer games that we went to, but I'm also going to talk about you know, going to to our church service and being a part of a meaningful time of worship there. And mm. yeah, it really touched my heart. If they want to know more about it at that point, they're going to ask. Yeah, if that's right. Maybe they'll ask the next time. That's right. So that's right. I think um, having a one-off conversation view of evangelism is where people maybe feel most manipulated. 
taking the long yes. haul view over the long haul of living in a neighborhood, thinking that you're going to interact with them multiple times, really takes a lot of the pressure off to feel like you've got to lead them to faith in Christ quickly, you know, right, right. In, between now and the next yeah, time. If you you're not them. planning to move, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. They're going to be there. <laughs> well, so Yeah, and hopefully the Lord provides many opportunities to yes. interact. I'll tell you this, some of my non-Christian friends and the, the friends that I have on my street that don't go to church anymore. I've learned more about my own faith in Christ. I've learned a lot about my own fears and anxieties uh, from listening to their stories. I mean, I, I really want to make that as a, a central point that it's not just about what we have to offer to them, but being in a mutual learning posture. Oh, right. You know, and hearing in mm. them, hearing evidence of courage, hearing evidence of faith, hearing evidence of, of endurance is is really extraordinary to find in, in people that are are trying to make their way right without Jesus at the center mm. and um, so boy I tell you I've I've uh, I've loved um, hearing their stories because it's given me a lot of insight and in, in learning in my own walk with Christ that's too. really great well maybe the final uh, question for you uh, and I think you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago but uh, there would be some out there who would say. Uh, this is not a direct enough approach mm -hmm. or because, you know, at the end of the day, we want people to, as we read in John one twelve, to receive and believe in Jesus. Absolutely. Right. So at, in, in this whole place, where is there a, or is there a, a direct gospel presentation? Is there mm. a place in all of this for a bridge illustration, uh, you know, where they know, all humans have sinned, mm -hmm. you know, there's a penalty for that, you know, Christ paid the penalty for that, you know, that, that type of a presentation. Where does that, mm -hmm. if there are people out there thinking, mm -hmm. you know, there's just not enough meat on the bone, so yeah. to speak. Well, that's a great question. And that's to the last thing I wrote in that blog post. How much do you trust the Lord? Do you trust the Lord with your neighbor's spiritual journey? Or do you feel like that somehow it's all been put on your shoulders? What you don't know, what I don't know are the other spiritual influences and the voices in the life of my neighbor. Oh, in their lives. Absolutely. If yeah. I think it's all on me, that I'm the only way that they're going to hear about Jesus, boy, I'm going to carry a weight of pressure that might drive me across the street with a, with a tract in my hand to say, right. hey, you've got to hear this. we got to get down to this. Yeah, now, right. You know, if the Lord hmm. prompts me to do that, I hope I'd be responsive and say yes to that. But what I found in, in getting to know people's journey of faith and even hearing testimonies of followers of Jesus, most of the time it wasn't a one-off conversation with a particular one individual follower of Jesus. It was multiple touches, multiple influences, multiple examples of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, uh, where I've had the opportunity to be the one to present the pathway to salvation. Praise God for that. I think most of the time, though, I'm a, a, a bit player. Oh, just a, I'm a supporting actor in this story. A cog and a bigger. I am. Yeah. And, and and am I okay with that? Am I am I okay with being the influence that they saw in someone that lived on their street, an example of servant leadership or of love without conditions or of helpfulness or of a genuine offer of friendship, a listening ear? With a couple of our neighbors, it's it's actually been some kind of a catalytic event in their life that has led them to a place of inquiry about faith. Mm. Am I patient enough? Do I trust the Lord enough to let the friendship, the layers of friendship build like, like a layer over a bridge 
one touch at a time, one conversation at a time, such that when they're motivated, when they're prompted by the Holy Spirit to seek spiritual truth, Mm. and they're looking for the right person to talk with about this catalytic thing that's happened in their story, will they walk across that bridge? Is the bridge strong enough for them to feel like, that's the person I want to go talk to. Mm. That's the person I want to ask. When I'm struggling as a parent, I want to go talk to him about what it means to be a dad in this sense. When they're struggling in their marriage, they feel permission to walk across that bridge and say, tell me about how this works in your marriage. Mm. Um, That's awesome. You know, I think that's the availability, the readiness of the gospel, the availability, and, and the faith to be patient, to allow this journey to play out as they are pursued by Christ over time. Mm. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm ready, I'm available, uh, when, you bring, when you bring about the right time and the place for this conversation to happen. That's great. Now, of course, that brings out the uh, what we hopefully hear a lot, which is this is none of this, none of ministry is about us. Right, mm-hmm. it's about God and what He wants to do, and exactly when right. He wants to do it, and yeah. yeah. Are you and, okay if you're the one who built a five-year relationship with a neighbor, and then you find out that they, you know, went to a random church service on a Christmas right. Eve and came to know Jesus at the church service through a pastor giving an invitation after the sermon? Am I really going to be offended by that, or am I going to celebrate? Oh, that? you're going to be you're going to be, be overjoyed, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely, you know, I, I I don't feel like it's our place to feel the uh, overwhelming pressure that pushes us into into evangelism conversation, sometimes that actually can set somebody back on their journey to know Christ if they feel like they've met somebody that is just um, pushing a, a conversion conversation. Oh, right. As opposed to saying, gosh, let's pray for them. Let's listen to them well. Let's serve them in practical ways with the love of Christ. And let's be ready when they ask and are, are uh, open to hear a message mm. about faith. Certainly, I think for people that want to explore this further within the last couple of years, yes, The Art of Neighboring by Dave Runyon may be one of the best resources to pick Great. up and just take a look at. You know, what does this mean? Uh, Dave is the first to say that he didn't coin the idea of loving our neighbors well. That's a biblical concept. And there's lots of examples of people doing this in their in their communities and with their neighbors successfully and gracefully but if somebody's looking for a very practical tactile resource on how do you take this further that might be a resource for them to check that's out great as well. sounds like yeah sounds like a great resource uh before i let you go number one thanks so much for coming glad to be here uh very good content uh secondly if folks want to get in touch with you yes uh ask more questions uh, how would they do that is there websites uh Twitter handle, uh, give, give folks how, the ways they can do that. Well, uh, if they want to know more about this kind of a incarnational approach to mission and evangelism in the world, they can look at our website, which is christianassociates.org. Mm. Uh, if they want to uh, subscribe to my blog post, that would be dudleycallison.com. I think you'll be able to put a link to that off your site. Yes, I will. I definitely will. And um, uh, through either of those channels, they can post a note to me or, or uh, reach out and be in touch. Um, I think this is a learning uh, opportunity for all of us in the body of Christ to to be the great recipients of the of the love and the grace and the forgiveness that He offers to us, and then to turn around and freely offer it to others mm. in our world. Um, what a great privilege that each of us have in the body of Christ to be a part of that. Mm, amen. That's great. Well, Dudley, thanks again for coming, and thank you everyone for joining us. Hopefully, this was good content. We sure appreciate you being here with us and. 
We're thankful that you've been with us here on the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast.